we just had children of men yeah yeah this past week great turnout a lot of younger people i notice I, I, i'm noticing with a lot of these like repertory type things we tell it all the time on the show i'm seeing more, more of a younger audience than there were pre-pandemic i would say like mm-hmm. with old boy with um would stop making sense. Uh, like there's a, the, the mixture. I mean, even Family of Paradise, when we t- we did that one. That was a that was a surprisingly younger audience than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Letterboxd, weirdly to to praise that, has made it a little bit more of a a social element to to watching movies is the thing, which wasn't really like Rotten Tomatoes tried it a little bit. I had to be tra- like kind of rate ranking yeah. them, rating them, but Letterboxd so kind of nailed down how to make it more of a like friend, like social thing, the list thing. Like, it's like Larabox is basically taking everything that all these other places did and just made it more like, so like, like more friendly for social mm. media, basically. You see, I, I know a lot of people use it for like challenges and stuff, but I yeah. struggle with that. Cause like, like I made yeah. that, for example, I made that list of, uh, Noir Vimber, yeah, and I watched the setup, but I watched that last month. I didn't even watch it this yeah. month. <laughs> so it's like I, I struggle to like force myself to watch it. So there's been many times where I've made a list and like been a challenge, and I've uh-huh. gotten maybe halfway through it and be like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I, we did it with Octo- October. I did, yeah. I, I did, really I, I did well. actually do all of the horror. Yeah. Movies. Well, no, I actually missed a couple, but I, I did most of the horror movies on. The I do all mine. That I had, but <laughs> yeah. I, well, I always like, I, I like a wish list. With I had do a better wish list on on noir as well because I've I have movies I want to watch uh, mm-hmm. that fall into that kind of category and I hope I can I can catch up with those. It's been I think with some of these episodes coming back and forth very fairly quickly of late, it's been hard to yeah to do them. We just did uh on our Patreon we just did a uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and the Kid Detective. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the Kid Detective? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I watched it. Uh, you're the you recommended it to me. Okay, cool. I, I keep pushing pushing that movie. I was I was telling Thomas just to plug the kid detective in our Patreon real quick <laughs> is, is like, it's a film that just had bad timing of release. Yeah. It came out, uh, during and, COVID, wasn't it? During COVID, yeah, yeah. like legitimately I remember watching it here. Yeah. Legitimately uh, during COVID it came out on, um, I think on, uh, uh, in theaters, uh, in like November, 2020. So as I told you, right before another spike was about to happen <laughs> and not in really any major cities, but it's a movie that deals with like, it's a great concept of taking the of like Encyclopedia Brown, like young kid who's now grown up and is still trying to be like a detective that he was when he was a kid. And it's this idea of like kind of a, a really good movie for like millennial generation is uh-huh. the thing. And about like unfulfilled potential of like, like hyping you up as a kid that you turn to like still following the dream. When should you quit? All these different things. But it's like, it ends up being like a really good mystery on top of that is the thing and just a really well-constructed mystery great characters adam brody is amazing in it so that leads into what we're talking about this month david uh and that's the private investigator genre but before we do that i'm brand sparks i'm david in the fourth and it's the nation podcast and i said this month we're talking about the private investigator private detective genre and you listen to both of our episodes and we've kind of discussed the idea of a lot of different things of of kind of how a lot of this stuff a lot of this kind of genre and film came from literature with the Dashiell Hammett novels, Raymond Chandler, uh, those early versions of Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade and kind of all these different kind of different detective stories that popped up and how it kind of that uh, evolved into the the movies of the 1930s and 40s and how it kind of established these themes of with Thin Man, it's more of a kind of a have fun, like laid back version of it. And then Vertigo became more of the like introspective detective where it became more about obsession 
really the days when we think is a mixture of both those yeah. is the thing. It's uh, funny with Vertigo. I, I had completely forgotten that he's actually a, a, a PI. <laughs> I mean, he's not technically yeah. a PI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was a well, he was a pri- he was right. a cop who is now basically like an unofficial private investigator. Right. Is but like, I Vertigo. completely forgotten that was part of it. Was he's like, yeah, he's like <laughs> actually like following someone right. and like doing detective work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I completely forgot, but like. Um, but this one with inherent vice today is kind of a mixture of those those things. Um, also, another kind of kind of tropes you'll see of like uh, we talked about this and Devin went Devin or Plaid on Patreon about how like you always kind of have the um, the detective giving his like long spiel at the end of like how he solved it or how they solved it is the thing like in the Thin Man. Um, but then you also have this like relationship between police is the thing uh, we talked about in Thin Man a little bit with uh, Nick's. Nick's kind of um, relationship with the cops is more like of a partnership. Stewart used to be a cop is what it was. So he kind of knows the tricks of the trade. And then with today's movie, there's an interesting police PI relationship at the yeah. core of this film with Joaquin Phoenix and Josh, Josh Brolin. So you picked inherent vice today for this movie. Let's dive into it. Sure, yeah. So it's based on Thomas Pynchon's 2009 novel. Did you know that it came out in 2009? For some reason, I thought I it was I didn't know older. that. I thought it was older, too. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, 2009 novel. But it is set in 1970 in Gordita Beach, which is a fictional version of Manhattan Beach, uh, at least from okay. his description. That's um, And that was kind of the area he was in. Uh, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And having now read the novel, I can say that it's a really, really good adaptation if you're looking mm-hmm. at it solely as, like, taking a book and turning it into a movie because mm-hmm. he... He definitely captures the spirit of the book and, um, in fact, taking whole dialogue sections and whole sections of prose, which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but yeah, set in Los Angeles in 1970 follows Doc Sportello, played by Joaquin Phoenix, a perpetually stoned hippie PI as he attempts to solve multiple interconnected cases that lead to the discovery of a secret organization known as the Golden Fang. Mm-hmm. And of course, with like with all P- PTA's films, it has a stacked cast. Yep. Uh, Catherine Waterston plays Shasta Faye Hepworth, who's an ex-girlfriend of Doc's and kind of the femme fatale of the piece. She's the one that sends Doc on this kind of strange surreal journey mm-hmm. uh josh brolin who you already mentioned as bigfoot bjornson Bjorn- <laughs> bjornson yeah. bjornson uh a detective in the lapd who hates hippies and has a love-hate relationship with doc uh even the smaller roles are stacked i mean we got benicio del toro uh joanna newsom who's also the narrator eric roberts maya rudolph who's pta's significant other in real life michael k williams hong mm-hmm. chow owen wilson jenna malone martin short reese witherspoon and martin donovan um robert elswit did the cinematography, edited by Leslie Jones, and music by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead fame. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately currently not streaming anywhere, uh, but you can rent it uh, yeah. on every pretty much every platform. Uh, but yeah, the, with that, we could probably get into our initial thoughts. So, Brandon, what's your history with this uh, movie? Okay, so history of Inherent Vice. Uh, very distinct history, just because I was first year at film school, Inherent Vice came out. I didn't see it in theaters. Undergrad or uh, grad? Grad, oh, grad, grad program. So... You know, there's some pretentious people around. <laughs> um, so every, almost everyone I did talk to about this movie hated it. Mm. And I, I didn't see it cause we were, again, you're busy shooting it. I don't know if it was in theaters that long is the thing, or I just didn't see it for some reason because just a bad word of mouth, which was stupid of me. Um, I don't, I don't think I fully was appreciating PTA at this point. I, I think weirdly film school helped me a, appreciate pta more mm-hmm. by the level of detail and craftsmanship of his film like i remember i remember like distinctly in the first year being like 
I think I like PT and Fincher way more than I initially thought. Like, just you get to really kind of realize like how talented they are as directors. Yeah, with having more formal, having knowledge. more formal knowledge. Like, oh, these these two are really incredible. And I remember this one guy literally was like walking down the hall that I that I was friends with, and he was just I saw hair advice. Like, really, how are these like horrible? And I was just like, <laughs> really? I was like, I I haven't seen it, but I, I I'm surprised. Like, God, one of the worst films I've seen all all time. And so didn't see it in theaters. Waited for it on Blu-ray, ran the Blu-ray from Cinephile Video, and I walked, because everyone's like, oh, it's just too confusing, it's like, it doesn't make any sense, it's not funny, it's, not, it's this and that, and I'm like, oh, okay, damn. And I watch it, and I go, oh, wow, everyone's wrong. Because I really enjoyed it. The yeah. first time I saw it, I was like, I, was like, I don't, I mean, there's, again, because I know the genre, I was like, it's not, like, it is, there's a lot of stuff here, but it's fairly, like, it's not confusing, really, it's a lot. But like, if you pay attention, it's it, it's really again with this type of movie, you're you're not really I don't really care about the plot. We tell this right. in Thin Man, you care about the characters you're interacting and with, and kind of the mood of the piece and the world. Exactly, you're in. exactly. And and Anderson is is a master at capturing vibe and kind of period is the thing, mm-hmm. and that it has all that, and you get it from the from the word go with the beginning of this movie, and we'll talk about that with with scenes. But like, yeah, I I think people just. I don't know. I, I think it's one where they were expecting one thing from PTA movie and they didn't realize he was making like a, a, a stoner, like introspective, like journey is mm-hmm. the thing is the of a seventies film basically. And we can talk about how the trailer sold it too, because the trailer yeah. kind of focused on the slapstick bits and that kind of thing. Yes. I think it sold it more as a comedy than what yes. Pinchon's actual novel is. Novel is. Yeah. Yes. That's not to say that it doesn't have these really funny moments, but it has more of a tonal balance. I, you know, I agree. Um, Cause again, similar to like, we talked about this kid detective and this is not as much, but like uh, it's a movie that starts off kind of comedic and then, gets more dramatic as yeah. the movie goes on and there's some pretty dark stuff in it. <laughs> yeah and, and yeah and this and that yeah. um but yeah so what is your history with inherent vice yeah so i don't know what actually introduced me to pta i i, I know there was like a couple things that happened probably simultaneously but i, I do remember when the master came out in theaters yeah um because i was working at the movie theater and this similar to what you were saying with inherent vice this couple came out same thing happened to me we're, they were on a well. date and the girl just go and i think they left before the credit like, it was like right when the credits were starting like they booked it out of the theater and the, and the girl goes that's the worst movie i've ever seen yeah. in my life and the guy's face he just kind of shrugged so i don't know if they were on an early date but i assume they wouldn't have gone on another date if that was the the case <laughs> Um, but this was definitely the first uh, PTA's movies that I followed uh, mm-hmm. because I was a uh, senior year of high school, big fan of Boogie Nights because of yeah. my fr- best friend's older brother. It kind of introduced us both to a lot of movies, and that was one of them. And then, as you know, Magnolia's kind of grown. I mean, I've always liked it since high school, but I, yeah. it's, it's grown as to be an important film for me. And I would watch the Master later on Netflix disc. Yeah. But I do remember following this production of this movie um, after the Master and kind of, uh, you know, leading up to the opening night. And, you know, I was in Kentucky, so it had a small release yeah luckily we did get it in that december release but um i could tell many people had no idea what they had just seen yeah um and you know i think it's like again talking about like the way the trailer sold it like a lot of people came expecting more of like a cheech and chong kind of thing yep which there's not to say that it doesn't have that um yeah. but yeah and i think their highs had worn off by the, the end of the movie yeah because it's two and a half hours uh, it's a long it's it, a long movie I there's forgot. a lot of stunned people yeah. in there um but yeah i i, I always enjoyed it and i uh, and it's and it's grown and especially after reading the novel i think it, I, i've had gained a lot of respect for it and we could kind of talk about when we talk about what didn't work kind of how my opinions of it have changed over time but yeah i, I yeah. really appreciate it and in this movie too this out of all of his move it also feels like an interesting predecessor to licorice pizza i will say 
yeah, definitely. Like the tone yeah, of and, it, yeah, the, the, the vibe, the vibe, yeah. and, and the decade for sure. But the one thing I thought this time is that, which came with kind of the stoner aspect, it's it's Anderson. While, while it's a very intricate plot, it feels like Anderson's m- most like wandering movie, if that makes sense. And I think that's reflected in kind of the yeah. experimental nature of how they approach the production. Okay, that's, that's about second yeah. because there's times where I was just like. It feels like they just said, okay, Joaquin, just go do something. <laughs> or like, hey, Brolin, start asking for more pancakes in Japanese. <laughs> like, it, it just, There's just times where I feel like this doesn't that, feel like that, it was in the script. That scene was not in the novel, so. Yeah, that, that feels like. <laughs> the, the pancakes. The pancakes. The it, it just, there's just moments where it goes on for, I was like, I feel like they're they're like finding something here, which is interesting. It's like, mm-hmm. again, <laughs> Because, again, I also kind of heard a little bit of Joaquin's process with the Joker and everything. Mm-hmm. How to just kind of, like, put the camera there and see what he does. And then, yeah, um, wasn't that whole dancing scene? Yeah, like, which kind is, of, yeah, let me just try yeah. something here. Or, and, or in the bathroom, sorry. In the not bathroom, the, yeah. Not the staircase but one. with the dancing in the bathroom, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's still, I mean, yeah. it's it's him just kind of figuring the character right. out. But I, I, the one I, I, think, I think about the most that's in the trailer is when he's walking to the police station and he gets hit by a cop. Yeah. It feels like someone went to a cop and was like, Hey, just hit, just shoulder block Joaquin <laughs> and see what he does. You know what I mean? Because because yeah. the camera kind of pans like yeah. pans really quickly. He keeps walking. He's like doing a zigzag motion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that was just like let's just try something here. <laughs> let's see how you react. Like because uh, because <sighs> I, I, I the, the way Joaquin just floats in yeah. kind of from scene to scene, it feels like we have an idea of what's gonna. He has an idea of what's gonna happen as an actor. Yeah, but he is letting everything feel everything out mm-hmm. is kind of the thing and it sounds like that was well which we'll talk about when we mm-hmm. get to the production but that was pretty much the process of the, yeah. of the making the movie uh but yeah we can get into the history of how it got into production all right so all the way back in december of 2010 it was announced through vulture and some other sources that pta wanted to adapt the novel inherent vice mm-hmm. and at that point apparently he had written a treatment and may have already started a draft uh in september of 2010 yeah, at this point, he was in prep on the master, and they were actually about to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was set up at Universal at this time, but they couldn't get the money together with the $35 million budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally would have had Philip Seymour Hoffman as the master, who, as many know, based on L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. And Jeremy Renner was actually going to play his disciple, which was a role that later went to Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. So, But they didn't end up securing financing wow. in Renner May. at that point. Wow. That would have okay. been wild. Yeah. Because, again, 2012 for Renner, that's that's yeah. that's well, 2010, actually. Yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah. If you're doing 2010, oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that's pr- right before Avengers. After Hurt Locker. After Hurt, it's right after Hurt Locker. I think yeah. a year after Hurt Locker is the first. Yeah. Or no, it's two years, right? It was 08? Oh, oh, 09 was Hurt Locker. Oh. So yeah, a year after her, yeah. So he's 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 on yeah. he's on a hot streak at that point. Wow. But they did end up securing financing in May of 2011 and began filming in June of 2011 with Joaquin in the role. Yeah. Which was actually his first role since that mockumentary I'm Still Here. So he <laughs> was at a weird point in that's his like career. That's like well. a four year gap. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So PTA, <laughs> I never watched that. I movie. haven't either, but I kind of want I meant to. to. Yeah. Uh, but PTA has always been a huge fan of Pinchon. Uh, he's quoted as saying, anytime a new book of Pinchons has come out, at least I, since I've been around, it's like I hang the do not disturb sign on the door and don't come out until it's done. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, what were you saying? No, I was going to say, you, you wanted to m- mention the name of how you're pronouncing Pinchon. Oh yeah, so, so like... Because uh, I don't really like... Expl- if, 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 Explain why you're pronouncing it the way yeah, you pronounce it. Yeah, I mean, that's how PTA pronounced it, so I trust but you, that you... But other people have pronounced yeah, it Pinchon is yeah, the yeah, thing. The, 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 the heard, cast uh, in, heard, the, in the Q&As. As I'm them. reading online, Pinchon. Because I've always yeah. heard Pinchon. Yeah. 
and now I'm I'm seeing Pinchon a lot. So, yeah, yeah. so just 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 for the people out there who are like he's pronouncing it wrong. And I trust PTA. I trust. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, he had considered uh, adapting many of Pinchon's novels prior, or a couple of Pinchon's novels prior, including Vineland from 1990, which I actually just started reading today. Uh, but he couldn't crack it, uh, mm-hmm. and it's rumored that that might be what he's working on right now, actually. Um, oh. uh, but he also attempted to uh, adapt Mason and Dixon from 1997, but couldn't figure it out either. Uh, but in July of 2009, he got an advanced copy of Inherent Vice from the publisher and apparently read it in a couple of days. As he was re- going through this first read, he struggled to see himself adapting this book. Uh, he felt it was too similar to The Big Lebowski, uh, also The Long Goodbye. Mm-hmm. He's quoted as saying, but the more I looked at it, the more I loved the book. And I had to kind of ignore and pretend like it didn't exist because, you know, The Big Lebowski is the best movie in history. So I just ignored <laughs> it and thought about it in a different way. And so his team heard that. Pinchon was open to selling the film rights and they kept uh, and they left at this chance uh, yeah. as Anderson said as a fan if someone is going to fuck it up I want to be the one who fucks it up uh, and, and luckily Smart. for PTA Pinchon is also a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson mm-hmm. uh, so it was kind of a perfect connection uh, yeah. for, for this material uh, this idea uh, PTA was kind of drawn uh, to the novel and, th- and this idea of missing someone or missing a time period, which I think the novel does mm-hmm. both. Uh, this is what the book was about to him. You know, Doc missing Shasta, this trope of like the one that got away, right? Yeah. And then he's also like a PI in a world that doesn't really need him anymore. And on top of that, he's a hippie in a world that where the cult- counterculture is viewed differently now I was after gonna, the Manson murders. I was going to say, watching it this time in light of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. there is this like, it's his version of that period of mm-hmm. like, once upon a time is like before the transition happens. Inherent vice is kind of the after the transition yeah. happens. And in a way, he's kind of the inverse to um, Elliot Gould's Marlowe. Yep. Whereas Mar- he's like the you know like a fifties detective stuck in stuck the in s- world. Whereas he's like a sixties detective stuck in the, yeah, yeah just transitional period. Hippie, where it's a yeah. little more conservative, a little more ho- like hostile kind of environment because like, yeah. they keep bringing like civil rights stuff with with Brolin's characters. I was I was out doing what was that? civil out, rights violations. I was out <laughs> handling some civil rights violations and thought stop by. So I was in the neighborhood. Can't wait to talk about that scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. And apparently, um. Oh, sorry. Uh, Pinchon. Uh, you know, and through the through the novel and through the character of Doc Pinchon was able to kind of mm-hmm. deal with his own thoughts about how this air. How how the hippies lost this era, you know, because Pinchon was very much a part of this this whole yeah. time period. All right, um, PTA apparently adapted the entire novel sentence by sentence into screenplay format. Yep, and then which made it easier for him to cut down the script. Um, that's how that as someone who has adapted something before, yeah. that's probably the one of the better ways to do it. Yeah, is to put it. And put in as much as possible with it and don't really put like your version of it in it yet. And then you just kind of start. Ch- it's again, the idea of like the marble making the statue of just mm-hmm. like start kind of chipping, chipping away, away at it. Yeah. And then you, cause there's sometimes when I did the one that I, there was a, a book, it's like, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to use, like, there's some things I made decisions on very early on. Like, okay, I'm not doing this thing. This person does. I'm doing this instead, but there are stuff like, okay, I'm not going to keep this, but let me just put it in here. And it ends up just being a massive, I think my draft for for this, that script is like 180 pages yeah. is what it was, and it's now like 110 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like that's that's the best way to do it, just to kind of get it all. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first time you do it, it's getting that that version, and the second time is more your version. Third time is 
more you're ver- and just getting right. more and more away from it is a thing. Yeah, and P- and like PTA said uh, in this regard, he was like he really wanted to live in Pinchon's world, right? Yeah. And there's no better way to do that than literally adapting the, Adap- his exact adapt- words. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but he did make some changes. Uh, so in the novel, there's an extended kind of chapter. I think it's a couple chapters actually where Doc goes to Vegas and kind of finds out more about what Mickey Wolfman is doing in Vegas. Um, he also condensed yeah. some of the plot threads and characters. There's no ARPANET, which is a early version of the internet that apparently actually existed. Yeah. I never heard of it. Uh, And the ending is different, but let me uh, clarify that. It's not different in the sense of like completely different. It's like the, the, the way the case resolves and all that is the same. It's just, he kind of changes how some of those scenes play out. Um, But uh, in February of 2011, he apparently had written a first draft and was halfway done with his second. And it was at this point in this draft that he started to dabble with the idea of adding a narrator. Um, this allowed mm-hmm. him to put Pinchon's prose into the film, and so he took the role of Sortilage, I think is how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, kind of a minor role in the in the book. She still talks to Doc and gives Doc advice, and she's still kind of that um, hippie, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, astrology person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he, he definitely beefed it up, and, and again, taking Pinchon's own words into her voiceover. Well, and he makes that character a person where you're like, does she actually exist? Interesting. Because yeah, he did describe her as kind of Doc's Tinkerbell. Yes. Because yeah. when you watch it, the way he shoots, we'll discuss more, but the way he shoots a lot of stuff, he'll have her talk. Like, the example, he's in the car. He's in the car driving to, mm-hmm. uh, what's one place he's driving to? And he's talking to her in the car. And then it, and it's, it's the shot. Oh, it's when he's going to the, the Institute, right? And it's the Institute yeah, is yeah. what it was. So it, it, the, the camera's on her side of the car. Yeah. So you're getting a two shot. And then after she's done speaking, it switches to the other side, and she's no longer on the passenger seat. Uh. So right there is like said to me is like, is this all kind of in his mm-hmm. head, or is it is it almost like the previous Catherine Waterston in a way, like the the previous Shasta? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting, or or is it a mixture of both? Is she actually a real person? But he's like, it's just anytime you the only time you see her with more people, it feels like is the first time. When they're at the like restaurant, yeah, the pizza but kind of everything else, it's like it's either him and her together or him, her, and Shasta together. Mm-hmm. Like when they're doing the Ouija board and everything, yeah. but they're not listening to her. I just thought it had this very like haunting, like mm-hmm. ghost figure, like with that character, mm-hmm. which which I think works for this movie for sure. Yeah. Um. But anyways, when he was. Um, so when PTA was, you know, uh, doing that with narration. yeah, beefing up this character, mm-hmm. it reminded him of a family friend, Joanna Newsom, who's married to Andy Samberg, if you didn't know. And of course, Andy Samberg and Maya Rudolph were on SNL together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he liked the way she talked. He's quoted as saying, she's kind of got that hippie spirit. She just has that oozing out of her. The way she looks and the way she talks and the way she sounds, she's just so fucking cool. She was perfect. Uh-huh. And so at this point, he would send her prose. Um, and have her record it and send it back to him as he was still mm-hmm. debating. And then he decided, okay, maybe this does, you know, and like you said, it became an, an, an integral part uh, yeah. of the movie. It reminded me of Badlands. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, was, uh, it reminded me of yeah, Badlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. With, with with the little girl kind yeah. of narrate. Cause it's, oh, you mean Days of, Days of Heaven? Days of, Days of Heaven. Yeah. Days of Heaven. Yeah. Well, Days of Heaven and Badlands, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Days of Heaven more because it's the little girl, the little girl yeah, yeah. who's like. And Sissy Spacek is in Badlands. Voiceover in. But in Days of Heaven, it's like, it's she's like an observer. To the two main, to the two the, the main right. the main trio basically is the mm-hmm. thing. That's the, what the I, love triangle. The yeah. love triangle. That's what I thought of here. That's interesting. I didn't, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a cool connection. Um, but while doing press for the master uh, when it was released in September of 2012, he stated he was still working on the script for Inherit Vice, uh, inspired by The Big Sleep, which you've already 
name yeah. dropped. Uh, it, and he's he was talking about how he couldn't follow the plot or even really recall it, but that didn't matter to him. He that's, remembered how the movie made him feel. Yep, that's the recurring bit of Big Sleep. Is who yeah. knows what happens? I, I, I think even the screenwriters were like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but putting Bacall and Bogey together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a great movie. Yeah. It was really well shot, too. Um, and he also listed uh, Kiss Me Deadly, The Long Goodbye, and yep. Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. Yeah. Um, also inspired by the underground comic strip Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers that started in the 70s and followed a group of hippies trying to score and dealing with the fuzz. Um, mm. So as you can I think that helped him like yeah, yeah. visualize the time period. Um, and it, he attempted to cram as many jokes on the screen as Pinchon fit on the page. And if you haven't ever read a Pinchon novel... It is dense. Um, And that allowed for like these visual gags, which were inspired by the Zucker Brothers films with Jim Abrams, like Airplane and Top Secret. Uh, Sometimes he said he thinks about casting while writing. He had both Benicio Del Toro and Brolin in mind. uh, But he said he also enjoys the process of finding new people as well. Jordan Christian Hearn, who plays Dinas, Doc Stoner Pal, and also like a sort of sidekick to him. This was his first movie, Hong Chow's first movie, and Joanna Newsom didn't have any acting experience. I didn't know Hong Chow. It was Hong Chow's first movie. Yeah, and in the Q&As, like she seemed really like... uh, uh, you know, like appreciative for the, the yeah. opportunity. Um, and yeah, I mean, look at her now. She's an Oscar yeah, nominee. Oscar so, nominee. Yeah. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., I'm sure you've heard about this, was rumored to be interested in the lead role for Doc Sportello, and allegedly there were plans to start shooting in the fall of 2011. This is the back to back Downey reference on our show. He was supposed to be up for Vertigo, or he was thinking, he's doing, thinking about Vertigo remake. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But he had uh, dropped out because he had dropped out of Oz the Great and Powerful at this point. Yep. Uh, Downey later said in December of 2011 in an interview with MTV News, anything to do with Paul Thomas. Thomas Anderson and I doing a movie together is probably true. We we tend to talk about a variety of potential projects, and Thomas Pinchon's inherent vice could be great. We'll see. PTA, though, ultimately decided he wanted to work with Joaquin again after The Master, yeah. and in January 2013, it was reported that Joaquin Phoenix was now in talks for the role. In a GQ interview from April of 2013, Downey went into his history with PTA, how they met through his father, Robert yep. Downey Sr., who, mm-hmm. of course, is a big influence on Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, and have become close, and they like to joke with one another, which prompted his answer to why he didn't end up doing inherent advice. He's quoted as saying, I think he told me I'm too old, which I love when people tell me. Uh, for context, Doc is... 29 suggested to be 29 in the book oh. uh, but seems older in the film obviously because I think Joaquin was like 40 when they shot yeah. this or around the time um, allegedly Michael Shannon and Jim Carrey were considered for Bigfoot at some point and Charlie's Theron for Shasta I don't know how accurate oh. that is uh, but I did read that I could see I could see Carrey and Shannon yeah Car- Shannon is the typical one Shan- or Carrey is an interesting one because this is in that period where he did like Kick-Ass 2 where he was, mm-hmm. it was he actually gotten kind of a little bigger and 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 he has a similar like facial structure yeah. like he can if he wants to like kind of like jaw line and everything. I would be interested to see him with a flat the top. Crew, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean me, me myself and Irene, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has oh, that yeah, flat yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's a he's a cop, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, but PTA called Brolin up and said, hey, I think I have some work for you. And they talked about Pinchon and Cormac McCarthy on the phone. Uh, Brolin yep. described uh, Pinchon as like Cormac McCarthy on acid because <laughs> uh, he, he thinks they're similar in how they structure their stories. Yeah. Uh, Brolin had only read Gravity's Rainbow at this point, another Pinchon novel, but he had really uh, liked it. And I, uh, from Pinchon's fans, that seems to be his like magnum yeah, opus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul asked uh, Brolin to meet, but Brolin was actually about to go on vacation. And so he was like, can we meet when I get back? And PTA was like, oh, no, no, man, I'll come down and see you. Which apparently PTA doesn't come down from the valley to visit people very much. Yeah. Um, uh, so he sent him that script that night. The script that night, uh, Brolin read it overnight and they talked about the possibilities of the character the next morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Brolin would take the book on vacation and, um, and you know, read through it and, and yeah. decided to join the role. 
Uh, and Brolin said that PTA pretty much knew the whole book verbatim. Uh, even on set, he would quote, he would be like, wasn't there this scene where this happened? And PTA would be able to say like the page number and <laughs> give him like a description of what occurred. Um, and so PTA would like spend this process in prep, like talking with the actors a lot about the characters and developing mm-hmm. the, the characters. Joaquin Phoenix was about halfway through his second reading of the novel when he just decided he didn't want to understand too much of the book because he wanted to depict Doc's confusion accurately. Mm-hmm. PTA, you know, as yeah. I already mentioned, P- PTA also condensed characters in the screenplay and, you know, various plot events uh, during shooting as well. So Phoenix became even more confused and he wouldn't always know who was part of the Golden Fang and who was not. So when he would ask PTA about this, he'd say, I don't know, man, you're just going to have to figure it out. And uh, PTA is quoted as saying, I think part of the fun of Inherent Vice is just to get completely tangled up in the many loose ends and overwhelming information, which is meant to be a part of the joke in the book. I wanted the same for the film. Mm-hmm. And I think that's accurate to, to how the film plays out. Yeah. And with that, we can get to our favorite scenes. So what's one of your favorite scenes, Brennan? I love the opening. Love the opening so much um, because it brings you into the tone and the vibe of the movie, the pace of the movie as well. I agree. It's just the way it has like, a little bit of a wandering, not wandering, but it's just kind of a. You, I, I, you, you I say ha- meandering, but I don't mean that as a criticism. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. It feels like you hop into something that you should know what, like what's happened before, but you don't, and you're mm-hmm. kind of like, "What's going on?" Right. And then everyone's kind of taking their time, and you're like, "Okay," <laughs> and you're figuring out what is happening in the yeah. moment. And then, God, the moment, like I, I, I might rewatch the night just a clip because. When they, he walks her out to the car, and then like vitamin C pops yeah. in can, uh, from from can, and then the the title. Oh man, yeah, it's so good. And, and, and even the way Joaquin's, he's looking around, yeah, the way he's it's looking around, starting the paranoia. God, it's so good. And then he, you know, of course, catches up with Dennis. Oh man, um, yeah, yeah. And then and he's just kind of, and then it's like you have uh, her narration, kind of like saying like not knowing. And he's like get the He starts like looking under like like the the fences or whatever when they're walking. He's like, what's up? He's like. You want some food? Let's go get some food. Yeah, like Godzilla says to Mothra, man, let's go eat some Let's place. go eat some place. <laughs> yes. It's funny because Finchon actually references Godzilla movies all, like many times throughout oh, the Oh, really? Does he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because apparently, I guess they used to play him on TV late at night and uh, yeah. Doc, Doc's like gets stoned and watches them. Um, but yeah, I, I love that opening too. And I also love kind of like you were t- saying, the, this uh, introduction to their relationship. Yeah. Um, and I love when she's like, you never let me down, Doc, because I think it, it, it builds history in a way where we don't really need to see all that, even though we do get no. kind of glimpses later. But uh, where we get that one flashback, but yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think it, like you said, it does a great job of building the mood, but also building this central relationship between them two, and kind of using the femme fatale mm-hmm. trope in a in a in a different That's way. I was gonna say yeah. is that what it does is what I like is because usually what happens with this type of story that's kind of poking fun at is that like there's no office that the, like that we, we start at we all start at the pi's office yeah. and the person knocks on the door and it's like hey i have a case for you he even references it in the conversation he's like oh, you know i have an office yeah, now yeah, like yeah. i have an actual deja <laughs> yeah why don't you why don't you come here <laughs> um but I, I like again talking about the idea of tropes like sometimes we talked about this previously of like the idea of like a previous case or something mm-hmm. coming back and that happens here in this movie in more ways than one right um Japonica. Yeah, with a previous case coming back that he's done before, but also previously like said a, yeah. a ghost from his past coming back into his life for was, a story. You made an interesting point on the Vertigo episode about how, like, a lot of times in these kind of movies, the case becomes the personal life. Yeah. Whereas I think this one, it's the personal life becomes, becomes the, the case. case. That's true. Yeah. That's and, true. And, and that thread continues throughout. You know. Yeah, and and, and we'll talk about more at the end of that. But yeah, because because I, I do think he doesn't become as obsessed as say Scotty in Vertigo. Right. But it's like, 
how put it like in the end he becomes a better detective because of the case mm-hmm. in a weird way he gets way more confident and like his ability like in the end when he's like making the deal or whatever mm-hmm. and like he's someone in terms of like a, a, a noir or neo-noir he's not really a corrupt individual yeah he's never after i mean he's after drugs in a way <laughs> yeah the coke i think the, coke, the, one the cocaine time. yeah like oh yeah, yeah yeah maybe we should take some of that for the road yeah <laughs> but money is not a thing for him yeah but yeah the beginning when that happens yeah, in fact i mean there's multiple times where he trades just information for for you know doing a favor for somebody yeah yeah, yeah exactly but anyways, wait, wait. um and then after that sweet so, so uh, but i love that opening scene yeah yeah um what do you have i i love well, I love seeing Bigfoot on the TV, but I love the first time we actually see Bigfoot like yeah. in his element as a cop. Because, you know, is this is after Doc goes to the um, the it's a massage parlor prostitution. Yeah. Ring. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Massage, right. Slash brothel. Yeah. Basically. yeah. Um, that's in the middle of a real estate development. Right. And he, um, he gets knocked out and he wakes up and he's beside the guy that he's looking for. Glenn Charlock, who's now dead. He's not dead. And Roland's got on the megaphone. Oh, look at here. Hippie scum. And he's just like yelling at him. It's beautiful. And then. It perfectly sets up their relationship because we kind of get hints of it when Doc's yeah. talking to his aunt on the phone. You know, she calls him his old cop pal and stuff yeah. like that. And so we, we can tell that they have a history, but it's here where we see kind of this love-hate relationship that yeah. is just beautiful. It's, and it's, it, to it me, really it's is. the actual heart of the movie, but <laughs> it's 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 great. I actually think it is the heart of the it's, it's yeah. like because Because basically the whole thing is that you realize how indirectly involved uh bigfoot is in, yeah. the, in the case he's following mm-hmm. is the thing with the idea that like oh bigfoot's only partner was killed mm-hmm. because of the people who were involved in this case but yeah that yeah the interrogation stuff between between them the first time is great uh, and then when uh Vinicio del toro comes in <laughs> oh yeah when del toro comes in he's like you're like a sea lawyer whatever yeah, he says like, like you're a nautical lawyer marine law marine law <laughs> but it's like three powerhouses of the modern era it just really going is. toe-to-toe it's beautiful yeah yeah i forget yeah yeah, yeah. yeah right and sicario coming yeah. coming in yeah uh but yeah <laughs> i love Benicio in this movie <laughs> i think it, it's again such a just a, a random but also just kind of a southern california character yeah. where like it's a dude who's like a boat, like basically like a, a boating guy, yeah, yeah. like really into the sea and everything. And he's a lawyer as mm-hmm. well. And it kind of hints at it in the movie, but in the novel, um, the reason he's as interested in the golden thing as he is, is because he wants that boat. So he actually puts gotcha. an insurance policy down at the end. And apparently if nobody comes in the book and if nobody comes and gets uh, it in a year and a half, he'll he gets be his. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I because at one point he, he sort of references it when, in a mm-hmm. conversation with Doc, but it's it's just well, it's it's, yeah. it's the part where he's like, well, he's like, I know why I'm interested. Why are you in? in well, at one point, Joaquin's or, or uh, Doc is like, you're emotionally involved with this boat. You yeah. know, they're talking, they're yeah. talking about you just like, or you're emotionally involved with the boat, yeah, or whatever he says <laughs> when they're at the restaurant yeah. talking about it. You can yeah. tell he's just, he loves this boat. Uh, but yeah, the, I love their their relationship too. Is great. Uh, it, yes. it reminds me of obviously again Benicio del Toro, but Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I was thinking the, the yeah, same the thing. Thompson it's just a much a more low key right. <laughs> relationship because two kind of oddballs, right. like one who is a lawyer but is like in nautical law, based <laughs> marine law, and then you have someone who is a PI and his name's Doc, or he goes by Doc, and he has office in a doctor's office yeah. basically. So it's interesting too because in the novel they explain more of why he's called Doc, uh, uh-huh. but I like how the film just kind of simplifies it. He's just like, "Oh, what's up, Doc? What's up, Doc?" Yeah. <laughs> to the uh, the actual doctor. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's great. It's great, and I love when he goes to uh, Mickey Wolfman's 
house and meets yeah. his wife and it kind of sets up these like weird dynamics that are going on yeah. and, <laughs> with the rich in general but yeah. definitely with uh with mickey and his immediate uh circle yeah um and i love how she does she says jimmy wong how instead of james i wong wrote how? it down <laughs> i wrote that down in the novel she actually says his name right james wong how yeah, yeah. yeah. jimmy but, wong how <laughs> gets another reference on this month right. we just talked about him the thin man director of photography yeah. Apparently did the lighting for these people. <laughs> but she did like step into like beautiful, like classic did, yes. movie yeah. starlight. He even wrote that in the screenplay. He was like, she steps in the most beautiful movie star lighting you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, before that, I love after the interrogation, Brolin calls up. Oh, yeah, when he's home. <laughs> home. And he's just like, yeah, your girl. Wear her last known address. Looked in the window. She's gone. She's gone, man. What, what, what do you mean? What do you mean she's gone? She's gone. <laughs> What are you, what she's, out there she's out there somewhere. <laughs> Wait, what? Is she gone? She's gone, man. <laughs> he just keeps fucking. And he's just he's just messing yeah. with him so bad. And when he hangs up, he's still like smirking. It's like because that just clearly yeah. shows like he really gets off on like messing with Doc. I, I'm messing with Doc. Yeah. yeah. And then later, it's like it turns. <laughs> skipping ahead here, but when he's calling him and his and his wife's just like, "Who are you talking to?" This is Mr. Sportello. This is Sportello. Oh, Mr. Sportello, let me talk to him. Do you talk Why to do you keep bothering? Him? He he called me. <laughs> She's like, "Do you have any idea about the therapist bills?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell him, honey. <laughs> yeah, but it's like that. That scene clearly shows how much uh, Bigfoot's like emasculated at home, yes, yes. and why he has this complex that he does, and, yes. and kind of why he's trying so hard to be this quote unquote yeah. Renaissance cop, as he calls himself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a Renaissance cop. But also the other like part we talk about is that he's also like a SAG actor. Yeah, yeah. Because he's in the Mickey Wolf commercials. He's in the, the Mickey Wolf commercials. He's also in a cop show later. Yeah, the cop show. He's, <laughs> but at one point when, they, when, he, when he's crying, he's kind of like emotional at the bar, bar yeah. the restaurant. He's just like, all the extra work's dried up. funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that like yes that all that stuff is funny but it also emphasizes this point of the time period is like PIs have kind of gone out of style yeah. and cops are what is is praised in the media at this point cuz all of the TV shows True. are like you know cops and whatnot yeah, yeah you're, you're as opposed to you know Sam Spade or whatnot in the yes. in the noir films there's there, yeah it's it's you're getting like Columbo was a PI right but was he was he a cop I'm not sure. My mom used to love Columbo but I never actually I never seen watched Columbo. I'm sorry for our Columbo fans out there. I but know, like all, just a lot of the shows thing. that Doc are watching are, are is watching in the in the yeah. Movie so he was a, he was a homicide detective, yeah. so not a private investigator. But yeah, private private investigator. They're they're, they're going out of style yeah. at that point. Um, but yeah. So let's see. Well, what's one more scene I have? Oh, I, I do like. Um, yeah, you have the, you have the the house when he goes to the party, but then you also when he when he meets up with Penny, mm-hmm. uh, Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Whatever lines like. You, you sm- I'm a light smoker. He's, how many joints did you have? I'll have to check the logbook. I have to check the logbook. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Also, like, there's just like a couple insert shots of his notepad where he's like writing notes. Yeah. And it's just like nonsense. It's nonsense. Legit nonsense. <laughs> um, but I love, like, uh, I think a little bit after that, uh, his paranoia is rising and there's that beautiful shot of him in his house with the binoculars. And I think he's like looking out for the golden thing, yeah. trying to find the golden thing in the water. Yeah. And he's like looking around, like looking through the binoculars, but there's this beautiful blue light. Yeah. Um, and cinematography yeah. is gorgeous. Yeah. And there's a lot of scenes like that where just one shot. Yep. And like you said, Joaquin doing something or a couple actors doing something, or like even even dialogue scenes are just like simple push-ins. Yeah. Well, and that leads me to like probably my just uh, sequence I love this little scene I love. Mm, uh, I know what you're gonna say. When they're running in the rain, yeah, journey through the past. It's yet. so good. And with, with the, the Neil, Neil Young, Young song. song? <laughs> oh man. 
And you know what's funny? That's like the only Neil Young song still on Spotify because of this. It's on this album. Hell yeah. <laughs> but no, I love it because it's, it's, I love the rain and I love it's like they're. So beautiful shot. It's so, it's they have the shot. kind of neon glow like from the red yeah. sign and, and the building. I mean, it's it's really just a beautiful sequence and like but also like it shows it's it shows their relationship where like there were good times this will be kind of the defining moment for them yeah is just getting lost in the rain to get high yeah trying to score yeah Yeah. yeah. and then it comes back to them it comes back to the case the personal life becomes the case but then that can't you can't cut back to like where they're just like sitting in the rain like underneath the underneath the uh the awning of mm-hmm. the building um and it's like that they they're like she was near her way about to leave or whatever but mm-hmm. it was still like this was one of their better right moments and you can see why kind of he's um he's like hung up on her you know because yeah. it's like that 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 would that would that's, that's a very memories ro- he goes back to yep it's yeah. a very romantic sequence he's living in that past yeah and that's why the song's apt um and i love <laughs> <laughs> when he gets back to the case. Yeah. Dr. Blatnoid, Martin Short. Oh, God. <laughs> it was funny. You texted me last night. You were like, oh, I just saw that. I just watched that scene, too, because you're yeah, on my TV. Because I, yeah, I was, I was doing the laundry, and I hear, like, <laughs> fuck. Where's the fuck? <laughs> I, literally, I literally hear that fuck. <laughs> Short's, like, yelling in yeah. the car. Pay no, no attention to that bag. It'll only no. make everybody paranoid. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you put under Doc's backseat? <laughs> Pay no attention to that bag. It'll only make everyone paranoid like, in the car. They are so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at, he shows up for two scenes bro and he, oh, he's, he's great. Like Martin Short dude he's like, great oh hi, uh, hippie's getting a little greedy right there <laughs> isn't the greedy little hippie little, greedy little hippie <laughs> um oh man he's he's so oh. he's so good um and then then also the death of him they, they talk yeah yeah like, I died and that's the scene with Bigfoot at the the, rest, the, the rest, restaurant, the restaurant, make, eating pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Come here for the respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pancakes aren't because of my mother's, but I come here for the respect. respect. Yeah. <laughs> um. But no. Yeah. When he's just like died next to a trampoline. <laughs> Looks like he just fell off and broke his neck or whatever. <laughs> and then the, yeah. Well, Doc references the the, the golden fangs. It's more your hippie uh, conspiracy. No. <laughs> no. I love that scene, that yeah. part when he's just like. Well, if you didn't skip class because you were trying to score dope, you yeah. would have known this, this, or that. And then Joaquin's like, um, and then Joaquin's like, well, you know, gold's not made of fully gold; it's made of copper. Yeah. Or you would have learned that if you in weren't forensics, skip, yeah. in forensics, if you didn't skip forensics to go put uh, to go frame a hippie. Yeah, yeah. And he like takes the whatever and just eats like eats in the pancake or whatever. Yeah, and then dude, and you feel then, proud of yourself, feel like a cop, don't you? <laughs> Brolin loses it he, yeah. one more time. He's like, "This says the word yeah, pancakes," <laughs> <laughs> and they're just yelling at the guy in the yeah. back. Oh man, <laughs> I love too. They're the only two people in that restaurant. Yeah. Oh, but, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but no. Martin Short's great when they're snoring. Yeah. I mean, did you catch the weird, the the small reference, the 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 kind of horror reference that that Anderson throws in? Oh, the Kruger. Uh, Voorhees the, Kruger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Voorhees Kruger. Yeah, I didn't uh, catch it in the actual movie, but I did catch it when I was looking at the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Vor- I, yeah. I, I realized it when I was looking at the Yeah, because um, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, Voorhees. I was like, oh. I think it's something like, it's like another law firm or something. Yeah. Like Anyways. 
Uh, Voorhees for those uh, Jason Voorhees from Friday Thirteenth, Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger yeah. from Nightmare Elm. And, and that's what Jin, and that's another thing that uh, PTA tries to again, like the Godzilla quote, or or uh, you know, Dean is talking about Godzilla and Mothra. It, yeah, in in the novel, Pinchon like uh, does a lot of stuff with you know, like uh, media and and movies and, mm-hmm. and TV shows and stuff. Um, and there's a great <laughs> there's a great bit in the novel where um, Benicio del Toro's character. He had never seen um, Wizard of Oz on a color TV, uh-huh. and so he wants to like sue them or something because <laughs> he's like, we we never actually got to experience. I, I forgot the exact gist of it, but yeah. he brings it to his his like law firm. He wants to sue them for for like false advertising or whatever. Um, it's great, but yeah, yeah, I I love that PTA uh, takes those kind of references and stuff, mm-hmm. and and they don't feel in like the postmodern way of yeah. like um, on the nose or whatnot or like yeah. kind of annoying. Like they they they. they actually add to the yeah the the uh events yeah um but yeah i uh what do you got next um i mean i love the whole once he actually <laughs> visits adrian prussia and you know that whole yeah final f- finale kind of the climactic moment in that part of the case yeah um and puck and yeah it's just so surreal and bizarre and it's it's even stranger on the page because you actually see doc's like pcp trip yeah um and uh yeah well, it reminds me a little bit again of Marlowe, like um, with uh, Murder My Sweet, or mm-hmm. I got the book from my lovely, but the but Dick Powell and Murder My Sweet, yeah. he has that that they they dope him up with something. Yeah. He starts having like weird, trippy like mm-hmm. nightmares, and that's why I thought with this where they where they dope him up and yeah. like handcuff him, um, yeah, and he's planning to inject him with uh, with heroin. With heroin, after yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, and I love how he escapes. One mm-hmm. detail I had never noticed before uh, is that because in the novel they they make a big point about how doc always carries around like uh paper clips and stuff to if yeah. he ever gets handcuffed because he knows how to get out of handcuffs but yeah. he uses a piece of a credit card yep. that has her name on it i never noticed that before yeah the shasta yeah, yeah yeah um to to get out of the handcuffs but yeah i love that whole sequence and it gets like super violent for just that one yeah. moment um yeah. did i hit you did i hit you <laughs> and then of course he he runs into bigfoot and bigfoot, realizes yeah. he's been set up by bigfoot and yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he's still in it. But what I love, what Bigfoot says earlier on, just again, talk about the the period, is that when he's at the uh, restaurant to backtrack, when he's talking about the, no extra work, he says, like, no no Stilo drive for old Bigfoot here. It's the it's where mm-hmm. Sharon Tate, where her house was, where she got murdered. Yeah. So it's very interesting just kind of connecting to that period. And Manson keeps getting brought up yeah, a few and times. Yeah, even when the cops pull them over. They're like, yeah, anything three more people is considered a cult. Yeah. We're looking for long hair. Oh, man, Charlie Manson's back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a kind of interesting way to how, how you drop those things throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think even uh, at one point, Bro- <laughs> Roland calls it a Mansonoid uh, conspiracy. Yeah, Mansonoid, like yeah. which I love. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I and then um. Yeah, I mean that how that all wraps up, and then you know, uh, <laughs> Bigfoot setting him up again. By again, putting yeah, the, putting all but all yeah, heroin in his trunk. All heroin in his trunk, and he um, has to deal with the with the with the, with the family from the yeah from the family. <laughs> the, well, I love the. Well, he has the, the, yeah, the conversation with the guy that was a previous client of his mm-hmm. that tied in together. Played by Martin Donovan. Martin Donovan, yeah. Who's yeah. Uh, Japonica's father. Yeah. And and that's when he had the deal where, you can, again, you see that, like, that Doc is, like, really not in it for money. He, yeah. He's, he's, he's fighting. Basically, it's where the kind of, the, we talk about, Thomas has always talked about how, like, with some of these movies, you have the two cases that that, yeah. that come together in the end. And that's kind of happens here. You have the the Shasta and the Mickey the, Wolfman, Mickey Wolfman, and then it ties in with Koi. Yeah, we haven't even referenced, we haven't even referenced all that. Orin, <laughs> yeah. Owen Wilson here. 
Um, but the Koi storyline, where that's where you kind of, which Owen Wilson's great in this in this movie. Yeah. Um, but the Koi storyline of of like, oh, I want like I want to get him kind of clear, and then and, then and it's of, an interesting foil to kind of Doc's relationship with Shasta because he he understands where Koi's coming from. Of like, yeah. he's made some mistakes. He wants to get back to to that life. You know, that's the moment that my my favorite moment in the movie where at the end when he's dropping off Koi. Yeah. Again, one just one shot. One shot where it's the shot of Joaquin and you don't even clearly see his face. It's from the side. Yeah. So you're just kind of like, you're observing that way. And it's just this, it feels like so much is running through his head. Yeah. In this moment where he's seeing like the family at home that are cl- that like, they're now all clean and they're having a life together. And it's this weird hope that like, he also kind of wants the same thing yeah. with, with, um, Shasta. with Shasta. And then we cut to the, them driving together, and we're like, it's messing too, because I felt way about um, the narrator character. Yeah, how you pronounce her name? Uh, Sortilage. Sortilage. I, well, okay. I think they said it a little differently, but okay. that's how I'm. But yeah, no, so, yeah. I always like wonder, like, oh wait, is is like is Shasta also kind of a? So that's what's interesting to me because I don't fully care for that if she is real, because in the novel he's by himself at the end there, and he's it's that's kind of like I, this like. Again, paying off this I, paranoia of like yeah. I don't know where I'm going next, kind of thing. I I read it as that she that that's in his mind. Mm-hmm. I almost read that most of that's in his mind. Yeah. Um. With her, I almost wondered if the if the the meetup when, uh, when when they hook up again. when they hook yeah, up yeah. if that's if that's uh I don't know just because because again the tone of the movie right the vi- feels this like we like she don't she's the, he's the only one that sees her is the she, thing I think she even says in that scene like. Oh no, that's in the first scene. She says, uh, "What you think you're hallucinating or something yeah, like yeah, that?" Yeah. So, um, and so, uh, and, and he because he writes down hallucinating at one point yeah. on one of the cards or whatever yeah. on one of those things on his notepad. Yeah, but and, and also like, all the memories are like the only time again, and the only time that you see him with another character is yeah, Sotelage wins like, and that's another character. Another character, I think, is she a fictional character and, and as well? She even describes his memory as a garbage dump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. so it's like, are these memories just kind of coming together? Like, what leads him yeah. down these path? And in the end, it just feels like they're almost too yeah. happy is the thing. And he, he even references that other scene. So this doesn't mean we're back together. Yeah, this doesn't mean we're back together. Yeah. But but it is a kind of a hopeful. Because, again, yeah. it's, again, I'm looking paired with the, the previous scene when he's watching Koi uh, right. go in. Where it's yeah. like he almost wishes he has that. Yeah. And then the ending is him yeah. somewhat having that. Because, yeah, like I said, in the book, he, he's by himself. And it's kind of like this. It builds off this whole paranoia. The whole novel is like, well, what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I kind of like, but I, but I do. This feels very. The, the ending to me feels very PTA. That yeah. final, but I do love the scene before that with him and Big. The final scene with him and Bigfoot. Oh yeah, because yeah. that is different than it is in the novel as well. Okay, and that is one of those moments where you can just tell they're both just going all in. <laughs> Fucking yeah. eats his weed. Eats his weed. And it cuts to Joaquin, and he's like crying. <laughs> Are you okay, my brother? Are you okay, my brother? <laughs> I'm not your brother. <laughs> I could be your keeper though. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or it looks like you need a keeper. Yeah, because there's a similar there's a similar uh, exchange, but uh-huh. it's because so basically in the novel, Bigfoot is at the drop off with the family, yeah. and he follows the family. Okay. So his motivation in the novel for setting Doc up there is to continue following the Golden Fang and seeing yeah, yeah, where yeah. this is going, um, because he wants to get to the people who hired. Adrian Prussia and, and Puck to kill his yeah, yeah. partner. Uh, okay. But in the, bo- in the movie, I kind of question if he's just doing it to fuck with Doc again or yeah. or what. Uh, but I do love this final moment between yeah. them. But I, I mean, I get it from a plot perspective because he needs that dope to 
yeah. use that as leverage to to free Koi. But yeah. either way, because that one way. But I, going back to the the the, the handoff, my, I love the line. He's like, "So you guys work for the Golden Fang Long?" <laughs> I love that. Like, Wookie <laughs> gives the little girl like, "What? What? <laughs> what are you staring at? What? <laughs> what? Got over his glasses? What?" Yeah. <laughs> You guys work for the Golden Fang Long? And she just flicks him off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no. But no, yeah. It, 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 yeah. But no, yeah. Brolin and them again just like <laughs> knocks down the door. Like, hey, man. <laughs> you, broke, Nick, you, you broke my door. You broke, you broke my door. I love how he just like bumbles throughout the movie, too. <laughs> yeah. I had to put subtitles on. And I don't usually do that. But I was like, let me. I got to make sure I understand these words. Um, but that's the kind of thing is like, I think it's uh, reading this kind of fiction mm-hmm. is helpful because you're literally reading every word. And, yeah. and if for some reason you're kind of lost, you can go back a couple pages and yeah. see if you missed anything. But with a movie, it's kind of, especially like with this much dialogue, yeah. and sometimes it's kind of fast paced. Like the dialogue is yeah. not the, you know, the way it's shot. Um, it's, it's hard to keep up with. And I think that's probably why that criticism came to be that people got lost or whatnot. Yeah. It's just, it, the movie throws a lot at you. It does. And uh, I like that about it. And, and yeah. I think that holds up, Makes it hold up on rewatches because yeah. you know you notice more details like we've been talking about. I agree. Yeah, but yeah, that was all of my. Um, scenes. That's all my you? stuff as well. I'll, Sweet. We'll bring up more stuff in awards I want to talk about or what worked. So okay, cool. So let's get into the onset life. So filming began on May of 2013, and it shot around LA, obviously, uh, and areas around uh, Lake County, uh, San Fernando Valley, Canoga Park, Malibu, Chinatown, Pasadena, Long Beach. Um, various other ones but that's the the main ones that i saw uh described by many of the cast as organized chaos uh the the process was uh uh, jenna malone stated that it was a very structured process and that the chaos can only come from a grounded logical base because you have to know where you're going to be spinning from the logic becomes the chaos and the chaos becomes the logic so it sounds like the the script and the story rubbed off on her yeah um pta described kind of the ups and downs of shooting uh he, he compared it to like the junkie mentality right you're mm-hmm. you have those bad days but you're you you're um you know you work through them to get to that next success or happy yeah, accident yeah. you know um and he says you know anytime he gets stuck he just thinks about how, what would J- jonathan demi do and he says he asked yep. himself that at least 20 or 30 times while making a movie martin yeah. martin short said that uh Oh, t- having Demi and Altman are, your t- are two interesting influences. Yeah, that and, and Robert Downey Sr. too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Downey Sr. I have, yeah, I have, I'll tell you that after the, after we record. There's, oh. I, have, I have a Downey Sr. or a, a Downey. I guess I'll tell it here. Um, but I want to bring up when you were talking about Downey earlier yeah, yeah. is that I went to a Downey Sr. Um, Thomas and I both did when we, when we were like a retrospective. A retrospective. Oh, sick. Uh, the night I there, PTA wasn't there, but he was there the night before because Mark had gone to it. And it was Mark's birthday, and they'd gotten like VIP passes. Oh no way! And they're in the back, like uh, at like a like a kind of opening night, like little like uh, cocktail hour or whatever. And PTA was there, and Mark's like, "I think we're gonna say something." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, you should." His buddy's like, "Yeah, you should." He's like, "Okay." And he's like, and I, Wait, "Who's over there?" And he's like, "I look over there. I noticed that like Robert Downey Jr. is now staying next to PTA." And I was like, "I can't go over there." <laughs> he's like, "Why not?" He's like. So that's the most powerful man in the world right there and PTA. I can't just interrupt that to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, I'm a big fan. <laughs> so I stayed away. And <laughs> <laughs> just watched from afar. I can't say I blame him, though. I wouldn't want to interrupt like, that That's, just too, that's yeah. too much energy in one place I can't be at. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, but Martin Short 
uh, referencing this kind of chaotic, uh, mm-hmm. this idea of this organized chaos, said that if you're working with a great director, you feel very, very, very safe yeah. because you know that all the decisions will be made months later in the editing room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he wasn't afraid to do you know some of the ridiculous stuff that he had to do for his character. Brolin said that Phoenix and him shot several versions of scenes and weird moments between them, which got crazier and crazier so that PTA would have options. Eating, so I think eating that, bananas, yes. Well, the, well, that's actually from the novels, well, which we'll okay. talk about later. Okay. But, but the um, scene where he runs up on his car, I think that was clear because <laughs> yeah. Brolin kind of references it in uh, one of the uh, Q&A's that he or interviews that he did and he said that uh, PTA was like just get him in the car he didn't say give him any other direction than the, yeah. and he was like that was the hardest thing in the <laughs> world to get Joaquin another cop <laughs> well it's a great simple thing it's like yeah. okay get him in the car hey don't get in the car yeah and Joaquin runs up on the police car and he like he like drops it he does like that wrestling move like yeah. slams him on the ground um but yeah so from multiple cast interviews it sounds like PTA would allow you know the cast freedom to yeah. dive into their characters and you know he'd work with them when he when they all felt something was off or if they felt something wasn't working uh Joaquin said that PTA's genius is actually that he makes it seem that it's in the actor's hands when really he's orchestrating it yeah. all along. Um, and a lot of the smaller parts, of course, were there for just a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, for example, was there for four days. Yeah. But apparently PTA enjoyed working with her so much that he set up a meeting between her, himself, and Joaquin. And they discussed the possibility of changing the script so that she would be around more. But she convinced him this wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Um, uh, he likes working with actors. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like legit just loves working with actors. For sure. And in something like this where you have like, again, like some of them, even the minor roles are so yeah. stacked. Uh, it's got to be sad to be like, oh, you're only here for four days. Yeah, like yeah. you could have done something. And that's like the Demi Altman. That's the Demi yeah. Altman thing. Because no matter how they are different visually and storytelling wise, Altman and Demi both loved mm. working with actors. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, OK. So but the scene between uh, Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin outside the DA's office, yeah. uh, they started shooting that in the morning and they were doing like traditional coverage, you know, singles on each of them. But the sun kept, was moving and like shadows were changing. Um, and so after lunch, they su- uh, PTA suggested, let's just shoot this on the park bench, just set up a dolly and just slowly push in. Yep. Um, and so they shot the scene again after lunch. And at that point, like they got they got it in the can. Yeah. Uh, he felt like it didn't really feel, feel right doing it this traditional coverage way. Yeah. Um, and he felt like he'd wasted the morning for everybody. But the interviewer pointed out like, but that process led him to led the final that. scene. That's so the it's, thing. Yeah. yeah. You have to like you have to sometimes you have to go to that to find the right. Shot. And it was, yeah, it wasn't a waste because he you know they all knew it wasn't working. They had to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't fail a thousand times to make a light bulb. You found out that a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. Right. Right. Uh, Joaquin reported to the New York Times that Pinchon was very involved, talking with PTA often and would make suggestions, help him, uh, help give him ideas to condense scenes. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, the draft of the screenplay I read even had more scenes from the book than is in the final film. Um, Anderson denied this, but also said, I'm not going to be honest. I can't be honest. Because apparently... He had some deal with Pinchon that he wouldn't talk about his involvement. Uh, Pinchon, if for those I don't know, is a notoriously reclusive or mm-hmm. known as a notoriously reclusive um, and hasn't been willingly publicly photographed since <laughs> the late 1950s, apparently. Um, but he apparently does not like the word reclusive. Uh, he just doesn't really like having his picture taken or having a public profile. And it sounds like he's even in on the joke because, you know, he did that. There's a Simpsons bit. Where he's like, take a picture with a reclusive author. And it's his actual voice doing it. <laughs> um, Brolin said that during the uh, Brolin said during the press for the movie that Pinchon was on set and no one knew it was him. And it's also rumored because of Brolin and, and others that he cameos in the movie. So people online have speculated and taken screen oh, wow. screen grabs and tried to decide. So he's an extra somewhere in the movie, apparently. Um, Interesting. Um, so 
uh, we'll get into the the one downside of what happened with this movie is that Paul Thomas Anderson and longtime collaborator Robert Elswit did yep. have some conflict over the cinematography oh, and haven't worked together since. I knew that. Uh, I didn't know it came because of this. Yeah, okay. so PTA was the uncredited cinematographer on Phantom Thread. Mm-hmm. The lighting cameraman credit went to Michael Ballman, who is PTA's who was PTA's longtime gaffer and now took that yeah. um that credit in in uh, Phantom Thread. PTA was quoted as saying, that would be disingenuous and just plain wrong to say that I was the director of photography on the film, referencing Phantom Thread. Yeah. The situation was that I work with a group of guys on the last few films, smaller side projects. Uh, the people I norm- normally work with were unavailable. I think he's referencing elsewhere. Yeah. And it just became a situation where we collaborated, really in the best sense of the word, as a team. I know how to point the camera in a good direction. I know a few things, but I'm not a director of photography. Yeah. However, with Licorice Pizza, he shared cinematography credit with Michael Bauman. Yeah. So... It's interesting, but Ellswood and PTA apparently argued over the look of the film, uh, and and Ellswood I think got a little annoyed with uh, this kind of experimental nature that PTA was doing, which uh, is surprising because they had done so many movies together. Yeah. So many movies yeah. together. Like they they had done Inherent Vice together. They'd done uh, Belly Blood. I'm pretty sure they did Punch Drunk Love together. Yeah, yeah. Magnolia yeah. and Boogie Nights. Yeah, and Hard Eight. Yeah, so six movies together. Yeah, so, and he was there from the beginning. Yeah, the only yeah. way he didn't do was The Master before. But this. I think it was again uh, that was just scheduling issues. I think. Yeah, because yeah. that was uh, I think he was doing Master. So he was doing Mission Impossible Four and The Born Legacy. Oh, okay. Uh, the the kind of same period. So so 2012 was when The Master came out. Yeah. yeah. So that might yeah. And apparently the look of the film was inspired by a few reels of improperly stored film that Paul Thomas Anderson had kept in his garage for nearly 15 years. And they actually used that film stock on a couple scenes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, PTA said that Leslie Jones, the editor, um, was very much uh, involved in the production because they were editing and rewriting as they were going along. Uh, She was on set quite a bit, especially the last two weeks, to make sure that they had everything they needed uh, for the Um, upcoming aftermath process. she, She cut the thin red line. Yeah, there's yeah. that Malik. So she knows. Okay. <laughs> well, she also knows how to deal with you know, yeah, disparate, seemingly disparate scenes. Yep. Um, but she said that the voiceover, and I'm sure she felt the same way with Malik as well. The voiceover provided flexibility, um, and so they were able to kind of like you know cut things together, re-record the voiceover in uh, post multiple times, and yeah. that leads us to the aftermath. So the film was composed by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead fame, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. who of course. Also worked on There Will Be Blood and The Master prior and has continued to work with PTA yep. and other filmmakers. Uh, he recorded uh, the score with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra in London. Mm-hmm. And it actually includes a version of an unreleased Radiohead song titled Spooks, which mm-hmm. was performed by Greenwood and band members of Supergrass. Uh, the original version, they couldn't quite get to work with, with Radiohead. And uh, they described it kind of as a pastiche of the Pixies and surf music. But he always liked this the riff and whatnot. And yeah. so he used that in here. And um, we also got an email from a, uh, a listener yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, named Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corbin sent us an email. He listened to our Vertigo episode. Was like, we sh- hope you. Are you supposed to say? I hope you guys do inherent vice episodes. What he was saying. We we'll listened to it. And then we announced at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, talk about what he what he brought up. So he kind of uh, pointed out that uh, the track uh, Shasta's score track yeah. sounds quite a bit like the love theme from Vertigo's in yeah. the sense of like inspiration, Vertigo, yeah, 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 or, yeah. Or, or a nod. And I and I agree. I, I think well because I hadn't watched it when I we got yeah. I hadn't watched it. I hadn't rewatched it so I got the email. So I read the email. I was about to start watching the movie. And the opening yeah. is when they're I go oh yeah there it is yeah when they're walking yeah. out together. I was like there he's right. I was like, so Corbin, thank you so much for emailing us and give us that information. Yeah, I, I hadn't picked up on that. I wouldn't. I, 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 I would have just. Oh, that's a good music. I wouldn't have after even just doing Vertigo. I would have not thought of it as much of like a connection, but it's very much there. And basically, I'll read what Corbin said. Yeah. Um, 
because he said, uh, I think it was intentional not to Herman seeing as both films are about a private investigator desperately trying to find what is lost to the past. Um, it's a fair point. Yeah, I think that's on the money. Yeah. And so I, I am curious if PTA and um, and Johnny Greenwood had any conversation about, about Vertigo. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, and it's actually funny because the, the Smile, uh, it's the band that uh, Johnny Greenwood is in with Tom York, also of Radiohead fame. Yeah. The other band they're in together. Uh, they just released a Wall of Eyes music video today that PTA also directed. Right. Um, and I think it's, is it notorious where Hitchcock had uh, Dali do that, that shot with all the eyes, like the surreal shot with the I think so. No, not notorious. Is it uh, Spellbound? Spellbound, I think. Yeah, okay. But it, um, it was one of those. Yeah, one of Hitchcock's films, Dolly did that. That's and they, they pay tribute to that in the music video. It's a really cool music video. Check it out. Uh, but the film premiered at the New York Film cool. Festival on October 4th, 2014, and had a limited release in America on December 12th, yeah. 2014, which I think is around the time I saw it. I think that's probably why I didn't see it, is because I probably went back home uh, right after, and I honestly doubt Alabama had a hair advice for that long. Yeah. It might have been a week. I know the mall theater had it, and that was it. Yeah. And I think they only had it for that week. So I think I missed it the week I was in LA, like before yeah. going back home, and then didn't see it over Christmas break because it probably wasn't there. It did have a wider release in January of 2015, but it only made eight million domestically and 6.6 .6 million internationally, which added up to about six million shy short of its 20 million dollar budget. Mm. Yeah. However, it was well-received by some critics and made many top ten lists uh, for 2014 films. Audience reaction, though, was more mixed, as we kind of discussed earlier. Yeah. Um, but it has become sort of a cult film, and I felt that energy when I when I watched it the first yeah. time. Uh, and it was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, lost to The Imitation Game, and Best Costume Design, lost to The Grand Budapest Hotel. That's fine. That one's fine. Yeah, that makes more sense. I can deal with the that Imitation <laughs> I remember the imitation game being being a shocker. Legitimately, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I haven't seen it. I think it won WGA that year, but that was one where I, I remember in the moment thinking, "Like, I don't know if this is going to age well." Not saying it's a bad movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying what it was up against. Let me see. Hold on, I gotta find this out now. While you're doing that, though, I will mention that Joaquin was also nominated oh. for a Golden Globe. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, what uh, imitation game, American Sniper, Inherent Vice, Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Oh, I, I think it's Whiplash. Yeah, I think it's yeah, Whiplash. I agree. I mean, but but also that's bullshit that it's technically an adaptation. It was based on a, a short film. Technically, <laughs> the script for the feature came first. Yeah, and they had made a short out of the feature. Uh, the scene. From so the like, I I would say script. If it's like if you're actually but as an adaptation adaptation, yeah. I actually probably go with this. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I just mean it's bullshit that it's in that category. If yes, if we're going by that category, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Whiplash should win. Um, yeah. Followed by inherent vice because the other three I don't think I don't I, <laughs> I don't really I don't love imitation game I don't love theory of everything not to discredit anyone's work on that yeah I just don't love either of those I I have never seen American Sniper I can't oh wow it. okay you really didn't uh, see it when it came out no uh, I remember like the well at least because I was in Kentucky and I, was, so. I was in Alabama then and I was yeah. just like I'm okay <laughs> well I remember my dad. Uh, went into my brother's room. He's like, because I wasn't living at home at this point. Yeah. I was in college, but he, he went into my brother's room. Hey, you want to go see American Sniper? I've already seen it. And my dad goes, wait a second. There's two things wrong here. It just came out. <laughs> well, it came out elsewhere. Yeah, was, he had torrented it. But yeah. he's like, wait, no, wait a second. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, anyways, that is all I have for the aftermath. We can get into okay. what worked, if that works for you. All um, right. Well, the cast works. Mm -hmm. The cast is great, and it and it's all pin, pinch ons like side quirky characters. But PTA always has strange side characters as well. So it, it again I, like the perfect 
combination of of uh, material and, and I mean uh, we, we barely, he's in one scene that Michael Kenneth Williams is is Tariq Khalil like just comes yeah. in for that scene just at, really is exposition yeah 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 Jim, <laughs> he gets one reference later on yeah but yeah there's not much to him besides mm-hmm. that yeah, he's a bigger part of the novel and there's actually uh, there was okay. another scene in the script with him and Glenn Charlock's sister oh, yeah, we see her for one scene yeah too. Scene, one scene as well um. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, but yeah, I I agree. The cast is amazing. Yeah, and like, yeah, what were you going to say? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. no yeah, cast is amazing. I mean, the, again, the tone, the vibe, Anderson's direction, cinematography, that's the thing. I was going to say, Robert fucking. Talk, talking was, about, talking about, again, saying it's predecessor Licorice Pizza, is that there's shots in this movie that I think he takes in Licorice Pizza. Like the mm-hmm. way he shoots certain close ups where it's like a little bit of a low angle with kind of blown out background and it's like really tight. Mm-hmm. He does a lot in Licorice Pizza. It starts off here again in the scene with the doctor in the doctor's office or whatever, where Doc is talking with the sister. It's just like really tight on mm. both of them is the thing. Never see a two shot with them, but they're just like separate. So that's the thing that we're I mean, kind of creating this like haunting feeling of like is he actually interacting with someone? Yeah. Plus it's, he's huffing. Up. Yeah. <laughs> laughing gas. Laughing gas. There's a lot of times. I don't think there's a two shot. But there's a lot of times there's a lot of singles of people mm-hmm. looking at one that are not. They're not always in the same shot together. Right. right. Which usually showcases like they're in the mo- scene together. Um, that's the irony is that a lot of times when you see the narrator, she's in a two shot with him mm-hmm. and then she's not in another two shot later on. Um, but yeah, cast, I think all that's great. Again, the vibe of it, I love the production design of it. I think that's amazing. Um, great locations, great too. locations. I think the music's great, both, both score wise and the needle yeah, drops. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder what Thomas thinks of the Neil Young tracks on here. I got a film fact for him. That's gonna, Oh, cool. Cool. Wait, wait. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's that's my take on yeah. that. What what, are you, what about you? No, I, I was gonna say Robert fucking El- Ellsworth. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, knocks it out of the park. And and like you said, I think it, I think even if that relationship might not be what it was, mm-hmm. this film definitely has sent, like, inspired what PTA has done yeah. visually since. I agree. Um, I agree. So yeah, and yeah, I mean, editing the the performances, it, it's all, it's all. I, I think it's really great. Mm-hmm. Pinchon's words. Yeah. And and. And again, this is like the first pinch on novel because many of his novels are considered unfilmable. Yeah. Um. So the way that he was able to to, to bring this to life on screen is just it's yeah. it's mind blowing. Honestly, having now read the novel, um, and it made, just only made me appreciate it more. And you can see how much of a fan he is of 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 the of author the, and, of the, and, and yeah. the book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I got. Okay. What what doesn't work for it, or did anything not work for you? Um. I hate saying the plot's complicated. Yeah. But the plot's kind of complicated. Um, I don't think it. I, I, I don't know if it's a. Ne- I mean, I don't think it. Ma- I mean, it doesn't really matter to me that the plot mm-hmm. is complicated. But I think sometimes it's like, okay, what's going on here? Like, what's happening here? And I again, I hate saying that. And I don't think it's again. I think that's a part of the story. Like the 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 genre. The sure. genre. Yeah. But also, I think that's Anderson's intent. Yeah, yeah. Like you it's said, not he wants to, to throw it. It's not to be crystal clear. Yeah. So so it's yeah. it's like some of it not working, but it's working in what the person intends to. It's it, do you like it or not is yeah. the question. I mean, it really is an acid trip of a movie. It it's, is. It, it is. makes no sense, but it makes all the sense at the same time. It's crazy. I, I agree. Um and I, I felt that way on first watch for sure. But I yeah. think again, reading the novel for sure, but just rewatching it, the more I found it kind of messy in a sloppy way on first watch, but the more I watched it, I kind of see again, like you're saying, it was more intentional. It's intentional, yeah. yeah. And it's, and again, after after reading the novel as well, and you notice a lot more details. It, yeah. It, it kind of begs for a rewatch. Yeah. Uh, um. Anything else not work for me? 
Well, this one I don't like saying not work because I feel like it's more just it's going to be taste with Anderson. I don't I don't think I think everything he does is 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 purposeful and 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 you either like or don't. Um, I I don't. I don't know about the sex scene with with uh, mm-hmm. the way it's done with Shasta. Mm-hmm. It's it's different in the novel. I'll say that it's it's more played for like comedy in the novel, whereas here it's more played like sad. Like it's like it's sad, depressing. I won't say violent. Yeah, it yeah. just it feel it's how I put it. It's jar and not jarring. Yeah. It's it's almost abrupt. The way yeah. it like turns very fast yeah. and she's kind of baiting him and yeah. do it into doing it and, and another crazy long take too it's like yeah I, I i really mad respect to her for holding that uh you know like yeah. holding that scene crazy because man. it's showing yeah. from her walking in yeah. to like then getting on top of him and, yeah, and, and it's it's coming into like a close-up coming yeah. into a close-up it, it's just it's but it's it's yeah, it's just it seems it just it's a very it almost feels like a different tone the rest of the movie mm, interesting only right. phrase it feels like a Again, this is not don't worry, but it feels like a very different uh, doc in that moment. Interesting. Okay. It's like he's letting everything out. He's been holding back in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's probably the point of it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it just it, it just felt it felt a little. It didn't. It did. It, it bumped me this time. Mm, okay. This is the thing. Cool. So there you go. All right. Well, now we can move on to film facts. And this one, uh, I think Thomas is going to love. So Doc's look was actually inspired by a photo of Neil Young from 1970. Oh, I bet that hair, that hair. <laughs> and the, are they mutton chops? Mutton chops, yeah. Oh, yeah. PTA also. It's, it's like uh, our man, Paul Schneider from uh, Elizabeth Oh, Town. yeah. <laughs> on our way to Amsterdam. <laughs> if you haven't checked out Elizabeth Town episode on. Uh, yeah, or, or, on or from the, from, uh, to the windows of Amsterdam. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was inspired by Neil Young, and PTA also said that uh, Neil Young's film *Journey Through the Past* was ins- his concert film was yeah. inspiration for the feeling he wanted to achieve in the movie. Uh, um, yeah. The soundtrack, of course, includes uh, *Journey Through the Past* in that beautiful scene of them running through the rain, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, it's one of the few remaining Neil Young songs on Spotify. So check it out. Um, in one of the scenes featuring Petunia Leeway, who's played by Maya Rudolph, again uh, PTA's significant other in real life. The Minnie Ripperton song, Le Fleur, I think is how you pronounce mm-hmm. it, can be heard playing on the soundtrack. Yep. Minnie Ripperton's her mom. Was her mom. And really? The song was co-written by her father, songwriter Richard Rudolph. Wow. So she passed away when uh, Maya Rudolph was like seven, I want to say. But That's, um, it's I, fascinating that I, he used that needle drop in that scene. Uh, I I love that uh, song. Yeah. Because it's also... I mean, it's it's also, in Us. It's in Us. Yeah. Because I, I was... Because oh, that's in my list of like, that's a great song. And then I... I think I watched the ending of Us again. I was like, ah, oh, it's in this movie. Can't use it. <laughs> yeah, I think used pretty prominently. And I yeah, like, I was like, because that's the thing. I think I answered this one time. I was like, once it's used in a song very prominently, it's yeah. you kind of let, let it go. You just it, kinda, if it's got to a point where it's like completely married image and song in your mind, then I think yeah. that song's been used. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like hard. To, it's hard. Yeah, to, yeah. Unless you can find a way to like change it up is yeah. the thing. It, it's like, it, you want, like it's what was one. Like one big one is like Phil Collins in the air tonight. Yeah. Is the thing. It's like it's hard to, to separate that yeah. from Miami Vice is the yeah. thing. Uh some people have tried it. I think and the Americans did it. Hang, well. The hangover too, but this played more for a joke. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah you yeah. have to like you have to you can't do it in the exact way. It's yeah. almost weirdly. It's like you have to almost like fully commit to it being the exact same thing from Miami Vice, or you go the opposite way of making comedic. You can't like 
notes. Like, just right. have it playing in the back. You yeah, have to yeah. like, you go fully melodramatic or fully comedic. Well, it's like all those songs from all the Vietnam War films are just like yeah. recycled Force to the point the of yeah. I, I yeah, any critics right revival. Nut. No, I I love Spielberg, but I remember when at the opening of the post he plays a CCR song. I was like, oh, Spielberg. <laughs> I know you know better. I know you know better. And I love I love Creedence, but it's like, but it's it's overplayed in movies. But I do think it's very fascinating because I remember reading this at one time. The reason why CCR is played a lot in Vietnam War movies because they're one of those big bands that actually was formed and broke up during Vietnam War. Oh, okay. So there is no like life outside, outside Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So it like actually is a perfect representation of the time. time period, sure, yeah. So that. That's why it's used, but <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember, I, I raised my hand. I like Spielberg. What are we? <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know you got music survivors going to do better than this. And I think the, the David Ayer Suicide Squad, like all those songs in the first act are used in other movies. Yeah. It, it drove yeah. me crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. Where are we at? <laughs> one more film fact. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Apparently Brolin ate. 44 chocolate-covered bananas, oh frozen bananas. Oh, my God. For, for uh, I don't know if it was the entirety of the banana, but he said he at least bit into 44. So, many pota- so much for, potassium. For, for one scene um, that's not even in the movie. <laughs> oh, no. So I think it's the scene, because there's a scene in the novel and in the original screenplay where um, uh, Bigfoot reveals like this freezer that they have at the precinct oh, just filled no. with chocolate-covered frozen bananas, oh and he God. offers one to Doc. Um, so it was not in the movie. Oh, that yeah, I hate <laughs> but that. But when he said that in the interview, I like had to pause it for a second because I was dying. I'm still dying. Forty four, Jesus! I think he said they were shooting there like all day. Oh, oh my God! I'm just thinking to myself. I, I, but picture, bro, like I, I, I don't know. If, and like, the way he's eating it in the car scene. Yeah, wait, because it, it seems like he at least intentionally, like his character has an oral fixation, so he he, he was playing with that obviously in that scene. Yes. But I love the when it wrecks focus to Joaquin and he's like making that face, like yeah. what the fuck. What is he doing? <laughs> Um, but it, it, the character is addicted to those bananas yeah. in the book, okay. um, and he said his therapist said it was important for him to share. So that's why he's showing Doc his his, his, his stash. His stash. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like if, if 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 PTA called him or if he just found out in the the final cut like it was cut. You know what I mean? Because like I I've had it before where like on a short film where it took something took so long. It's like yeah. it's like it, it's, it's the scene that takes the longest to do. And because of that, when you're and editing proud it, of it. You're, yeah, yeah. And when you're editing it, you don't want to cut it because you're tied. This is why an editor is important because right. they're not tied to what was happening on the day. Because you're like, oh, but we took so long to shoot that. Yeah. But then the editor's like, we don't need it. And yeah, it slows the movie down. And I remember we did this for one shot. We, it took forever to do. And we put it in the in the thing. And we we're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't work. And the actor is just like, you made me sit there. <laughs> this is Sean. You made me sit there for an hour. I was like, yeah, we yeah, we know what we're doing. Well, at least he didn't it's, have it's to a eat. bad shot. At least he didn't he have 44 to eat 44 bananas. Chocolate covered frozen that's, bananas. That's now that's now <laughs> the thing. At least you don't have to eat 44 chocolate covered frozen bananas like Josh Brolin did. <laughs> All right. With that, I think we can get to the awards. If you're ready, the Beatrice Strait Award, actor, actress with limited scenes that kills it. I mean, I think I have a forerunner, but do you have uh, any What is more? what is yours? Martin Short. Okay, that's Martin Short is mine as well. Cuz <laughs> yeah. cuz the one I want to do for I know if the one I do for supporting is is in Beatrice Strait or Amy oh, interesting. Potts. Okay, but uh, no, Martin Short. I yeah. think Martin Short again. He's only in there for like two scenes, and he just 
is phenomenal in this. Like it's, that scene could have completely brought the movie to a to a halt, but it's, he just gives so much energy. Again, I haven't seen this movie in like eight years yeah. or more, uh, and I still remember Martin Short like <laughs> in the greedy little hippie yeah, snorting away, aren't you? Just like. <laughs> Oh, what are you wanna... putting behind again? What are you putting behind Doc's seat? <laughs> Nothing. Don't worry about don't, that. Bag. Don't worry about it. It'll just make us all paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he's oh. great. He he's 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 he's, <laughs> he's running out of the room and his like pants are falling down. <laughs> and like and this was the movie I, again in a, in a in a while that I had um I feel like I hadn't seen Martin Short in a lot of stuff in a while. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you you know he shows up on screen. You're like oh like you know when you get yeah. excited about cameos. So yeah, I'm looking. Yeah. yeah, actually, you could art. Yeah, so he was in. Um, yeah, he ha- he wasn't in much. He was he just mm-hmm. did voice stuff. So this is his first movie since 2006. Oh wow! And Santa Claus Three: The Escape Clause. <laughs> oh yeah, because he was Jack Frost. He was Jack Frost. So been Why eight, do I remember that? It'd been eight years, and he actually hasn't been in a movie since then. No way. Well, it's not like a voice acting movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just only done television stuff. Wow. And he's great and only murders in the building. Yeah, I still need to watch that. I heard it's really good. It's great. It's it's really fun. They're great together. That's a fun trio, yeah. That fun that trio is great. It somehow works legitimately. Yeah. It's like you're it's just really a wonderful comedic trio. But yeah, I I think he's great in this. And I, I so I now I wish he gets more film roles. I wonder if he's just like selective and doesn't want to do it as yeah. much. Um But it seemed like he he very much admired PTA. Yeah. Uh and I mean obviously because of the stuff he has to do in his yeah. scenes are And again, yeah. I know PTA loves comedians. Yeah. I mean two of the cast of workaholics are in this movie in yeah. tiny parts. <laughs> so it's like and uh he he'll cast things like that. It's it's fascinating. I think I think Tarantino's the same way. He'll cast like yeah. people from well, TV it's like shows. Timothy Timothy Simons is uh he's in this, but he's in he was in Veep. Oh, okay. And he'd done two years on Veep when this yeah. came out. He plays uh uh oh my god, what was it? Yeah, Jonah. Yeah, uh, Jonah Ryan, and, and then of Pete. course, um, of course, uh, you know PTA working with Adam Sandler w- yeah. at the time when he wasn't really doing that, you know. Yeah, but <clears throat> you get you get Owen Wilson in this, you yeah. get My Rudolph, um, and this was the first time she'd been in uh, one of his movies too. So, yes, yeah. technically, because I know he was a shadow director on A Prairie Home Companion. Oh right, right, by right. Altman, yeah, yeah, and yeah. she was in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he was just kind of there for interest. Yeah, purposes. it's kind of yeah. it's kind of like what happened with Del Toro and uh, William Friedkin recently yeah. on K Mutiny. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, Martin Short, I think, for this cool. one. Cool. Any Potts X Factor Award, supporting actor, actress that is the most memorable. Thomas will say this as well, is that coming out of Inherent Vice, I thought we were about to see like just the massive like swing of Catherine Waterston. Okay. I thought I thought she's great in this movie. I think she's been great in everything I've seen. And somehow she just hasn't fully clicked in that lead role yet. Yeah. Uh, she's uh, kind of the lead in that Alien uh, Covenant movie. Yep. Um, and I thought she was good in it. Um, and then of course she's in those. She's, Harry in, she's in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. She was kind. Of, she was one. She was like kind of the, the second yeah, type, to, second or third person in that as well. She, yeah, second build and and the first one. She's in the first one. She's in the second one. I don't remember what happens to her, but it looks like she has a cameo appearance in the third one. Oh, interesting. I didn't see the third one. Me, um, me either. I didn't see the second one. Wait, maybe I saw the second one. I, I saw the second one because I, I literally thought, what the hell is happening in this movie? <laughs> I I remember liking the first one. Yeah. I second one, I was like, I have no clue. But the second one's with Johnny Depp. The third yes. one's with and Mads, De- right? And yeah. Depp and Law, Jude Law are the best part of the second uh, one. Okay. And 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 the first one, I think the first one, Colin Farrell was the best part yeah, of the yeah, first yeah. one. Yeah. 
Um, and so it's funny that, and I, and I hear Mads is probably the best part there. And it's funny that, like, basically the character, because spoiler alert, is that Colin Farrell was basically playing Johnny Depp, like, in the first one. Um, is that, like, you have an actor who plays the role great, and it's played by a different actor yeah. all three times. <laughs> so, Fascinating. But, no, but she's in that. But then, like, she she popped up in, uh, she was in Perry Mason this season. Oh, was she? In kind of a supporting role. And I know she's in Babylon in a supporting role. Right. Um, she's in Logan Lucky and she's at, at Logan Lucky. She's the, uh, the blood drive, uh, I think nurse is what oh, it is, okay. but like, yeah, she hasn't really popped the way, uh, I think we, we, I thought she would. And I think, I think that's, I think she needs to be in more stuff is basically what I'm saying. Mm. I think she's great, great in this. And this is kind of the first time I, uh, took note of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also she's also good very briefly in Steve Jobs because she plays oh right uh, right yeah. she plays uh his ex wife or yeah. girlfriend or whatever that has his, has his kid yeah um yeah I think she's great and she's I think she's great in this I think she again the opening scene very much establishes this movie and just kind of I think someone I read somewhere is it like even when she's not there in this film, her presence is yeah. felt. Yeah. I like how you described her as kind of a ghost. She is. Yeah. Is that, is that it's very, again, talking about vertigo with this, that she's very much like her presence is always haunting over, mm-hmm. um, doc. Um, and now that you say that about like, is she actually in some of those scenes? It's like, I, I'm now thinking about it. She plays it really ethereal. So she I'm, does. She does. So it's fascinating. And I, that's a very yeah. tricky thing to play. Yeah, for sure. That's, for and, sure. And, and, and to, and and tricky for him to to edit it that way where yeah, yeah. you don't know like it's that's the thing is that no one's like no one there's no YouTube video of like was she there or not this is not the type of movie um but like not the audience I guess the thing but it is very much like it is a question is she there or not is, is this all just kind of a it's, thing it's with his imagination yeah. like because again every time you see her it's usually like at his house most mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. is the thing except the running in the Right, I think the all, flashback. Uh, yeah, because I think everything's at his house. Yeah. So it's just memories of of her. Again, you're like, well, how does this? Then how does it all start? But yeah, who knows? Um, but no, yeah, I think I think she she gets this one. Cool. All right, Gene Hackman, MVP award, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc. This is a tough one. Um, I thought these always are uh, now of late. Because I think it's between Joaquin and PTA. I would also like to nominate Pinchon. Okay. But I'm not saying I'm going for him. I'm going to go for PTA. You, but it, I would it, like to Honorable mention. Him. Honorable <laughs> mention. I understand. Because this is his world. Yeah. Well, I think Phoenix is great. I think Anderson, even though I haven't read the novel, yeah. uh, for the simple fact that I know that everyone says he's that Pinchon is unadaptable, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's able to adapt it in a certain way for what he's wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pulls it off. And again, to have the... Again, just kind of a master of tone. Mm-hmm. When you go to see a movie like from him, when you go to see a movie from like Tarantino, if it's Fincher, I think even people like Greta Gerwig, they they all establish, and, and even Jordan Peele, that great directors know how to establish tone. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the hardest things to do, and that's what separates a good director from a great director is establishing that and how to, how to keep it consistent and when to also verge off of it when need be but still keeping it in the same world um and i think anderson does that here Absolutely. in this movie i agree oh, wholeheartedly so that's cool. what i'd say him he got the gene hackman mvp award all right i wonder if he's i wonder if he got magnolia as well 
because I feel like yeah. I feel like it's uh, he might be a two time winner. I mean, I would say for the personal connection alone, but yeah. Um, all right, final questions. Recast it. If this film okay. were made in 1970, Brandon, who would you cast? Which is when the the, the, okay. the movie set. Who do, who do we want here? Let me figure out a Brolin. <laughs> yeah, I think like I always say the <laughs> the central relationship here of uh, Doc and and Bigfoot's going to be very important. Um, yeah. Here's an interesting. Okay. De Niro for Brolin. Uh, I like for that. For Bigfoot. Yeah. Nicholson for Doc. I love that. That's a very interesting pairing yeah. that we we never saw, I don't think. If it's so, I don't think we ever saw a Nicholson De Niro pairing. If so, it's probably a lesser known movie or yeah. unless I'm really dumb and missing a big one right now. Because like you have that, like Nicholson was in like, was uh, Missouri Breaks with Brando or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the one I was just looking up. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I don't I, I can't think of it on the top of my head. Um, but yeah, no, that would be. I mean, it's a fun pairing, even if it does exist in some movie. But um, yeah, I think you're right. Let's see. Oh, they're in the last tycoon together. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You told me. About I that forgot one. about that movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I was seen it one time. Um, but it's like before. Yeah, Nicholson's barely. It looks like he's a lesser mm-hmm. role. But no. So I think De Niro and De Niro and um, Nicholson would be Nicholson. It's yeah. a very interesting. Yeah. Because you could see Nicholson playing that type role. Because yeah. I, I know I want to let you say Elliot Gould, but I, I think because we have Long Goodbye, which, yeah. like I said, I, I wrote down that like the scene when he's going to find Eric Roberts is very much like Long Goodbye. Exactly, when, when he finds Sterling Hayden. Yeah. Sterling Hayden, that's yeah. what I wrote down. Um, and even the Doctor character is kind of similar to that yes, the Doctor character. I agree, the, yeah. I agree. Um, but yeah, I think those two leads. Now let me find a, uh, a Shasta... I think for Coy you could do Donald Sutherland. I like that. I think for Coy you could do Donald I like Sutherland. That. Um for her, I mean, my my heart goes to Natalie Wood. I like that. With that one. Yeah. Because that's right after Bob Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, um, which is like sixty nine, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting kind of group of people right there. And then if you want to Reese Witherspoon. Penny is the character. Penny's character. Yeah. Um Shirley McLean, maybe? Oh, I can see that. Yeah, that's a fun cast. These are all off the cuff, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think those, those are all interesting. And then um, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. I was going to say for the lawyer, Sean, Sancho Smilex, I would I would nominate Dennis Hopper. <laughs> oh, for Benicio Del Toro's yeah, yeah, character? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can see that. Cool. I was I was wondering Dennis Hopper, easy rider, like yeah. how, to, how to put the two. Yeah. Um, but that would be like a smaller role for him. So, because yeah, I, I like uh, Nicholson as Doc, and then Jerry Lewis as Martin Short. I like it. <laughs> Just to put so in a comedian, fucked. yeah. <laughs> or Milton Berle. Maybe Milton Berle oh, is, okay. is, is, a, is an interesting. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he seems like a crankier guy. Yeah, I'll, I have them work. Okay. All right. That's, cool. that's that's a that's a good that's a good cast. Yeah, and, then, and then Altman directs it, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Um. So yeah. All right. Uh, does this film fit fit with any other genre, Brandon? Private investigator. I mean, it, it is like a neo noir because again, we're talking right. we're talking about noirs this month with Noir Vember, which I didn't mention at the beginning of the show. I don't think, um, but uh, but yeah, I think it's if it's in that category, I would say. I mean, I'd say conspiracy film because there's like this big yeah. organization, and we still don't fully know the extent yeah. of the Golden Fang. Right? Yeah, I agree, and I'll say stoner film. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. also the whole category. Yeah, stoner film, and I even think that noir has a subgenre of stoner noir. I mean, this under the Silver Lake and Big, big Lebowski. Lebowski. Yep, yeah. and I would even throw Long Goodbye in there, even though we don't see him 
you know, smoking weed. He, he he's kind of got that. But he's that got vibe. the attitude yeah, of one. Yeah. He's got the attitude of a stoner. <laughs> is the thing. Like, yeah, he he might. Yeah, yeah. I don't, he's he's he he's he was on something at some point in his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the thing. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, and then, how does this film fit into the month's uh, well, genre? Again, we talk about the idea a lot of times with with this noir stuff and with these private detective movies of how um, you have that obsession in some way and how the, you, you brought up a good point of like how the how the personal life and the and the case be some, somehow become intertwined. Mm-hmm. This one more the case takes over the personal life. So the person well, basically this one like starts pers- from a personal yeah personal standpoint yeah. goes into the case yeah case instead of the opposite way yeah um there's always something kind of coming from the past in a way the like the hauntings of the past in a way because even like the thin man it brings up like nick's previous cases in some way mm-hmm. and even even the death uh, or the that kind of story of the guy who's killed someone that he's kind of inspecting um was a previous case he had done uh vertigo is a is a person from a, a friend from the past that comes in um with here it's it's a uh, a former lover yeah, coming the one, in, the one that got away, right? Yeah. So it's the idea of kind of how past comes back to you in some way. And again, you can if you tie into Magnolia, it's like the past not done with, or yeah, we might be done with the past, the past, past not done with us. With us. Yep. It's kind of thing that kind of comes to this genre a lot of the time. Um, the the kind of unique Sorry. relationship between PI and cop in this period, um, and cop and hippie too, and cop and hippie yeah. as well. Um, not as much into PI, but but yeah, what kind of goes through? Yeah, but um. But yeah, I think that's all part of it. Um, I would say even to like we mentioned a lot of times these kind of come from literature in a way and there's a very much a literature mm-hmm. background in this movie. Yeah. And again, like this meandering kind of nature of it, 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 it lends itself to like it feels novelistic in a way. Right? Yeah. I mean, he has visualized it and made it. Uh, made it a movie that yeah. you would see in cinema, right? But it's still f- like structurally, it still feels it's, novelistic. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's almost like a tapestry. Yeah, of 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 the era. And one thing too to go back on what kind of movie, what film, what other genres. I would also you could argue like a transitional transitional period movie yeah. if you want to like, like transitioning of time. But that's the big thing sometimes that you kind of have to do with certain movies, especially if you're kind of doing it in a certain area, is like pinpointing a transition period Mm -hmm. to show where there's a natural change in the society to allow a character change to happen is the thing. And this, again, this period was very important to pinch on. Yes. So that's, so not only like it it gives it that personal connection, I think. Yeah. And and PTA growing up in LA, granted he wasn't like in this world, but uh, I think again, also adds to that personal connection. Right. I agree. Cool. So I think that's uh, that's all I got. All right. Got Inherent else? Vice. Yeah. No, that's it on here. I'm glad I got to do a PTA movie. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we'll, I, I want to do Boogie Nights at some point, obviously, but yeah, we'll, we'll, have we'll to get around to it. Away. There's a few. There's a few we can do. I would love to do Punch Drunk Love at some yeah. point. And so. I actually really love Heart Eight. Um, it's simple. Uh, yeah, it's I more, watch it's, it. It's, it's it's noirish too, but it's yeah. like very simple. Uh, but it uh, it I think it just like establishes PTA a, a, yeah. as a force. And that cast, dude. Like, how did he get that cast? <laughs> At that point in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, so be sure to uh, to, to check out our Patreon. Uh, Thomas and I just did, or it's coming out soon. If it's not already out, I apologize. Not, editing needs are hard, guys. That's all I gotta say. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, we're doing it. There's only so much time in the day. There's only so much time in the day with the jobs I have. It's yeah. it's difficult. Um, we're doing a double feature of Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and The Kid Detective, kind of a comedy dramedy version of the private private investigator private detective uh one of them is more drama than the other but uh, they're both kind of like love letters to uh, 
private investigator genre, and both also it's kind of tie, with one specific one's tied to film with Devin Dore Platt, with Detective more of a tie to like literature, but also hearkening back to kind of earlier detective uh, films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so check that out if you can. We have it's a one dollar, five dollar, ten dollar um, level. So uh, support us that way. We love kind of uh, talking more about movies and and talking about movies that we don't always. Th- to discuss on this podcast. I know David and I were going to be discussing Night Moves at some point this month. Night Moves starring Gene Hackman. Great film. Um, yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it. I have a poster in my room. Yeah. I've only we, seen it once, so I'm I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I borrowed I, it from you a couple years ago. But. I, yeah, I, I love it. So if you can find it, I, it was it was on Max for a time. I don't know if it still is. So if you can't if you don't if you don't join our Patreon, go check out Night Moves. Also, go check out Kid Detective. I keep pushing that movie. It's worth seeing. I think it's one that. If it was on a streaming service in 2020 and not a theatrical release, it would have done yeah. really well. It's one of those movies that it, it just it needed it need an audience. Hopefully it continues to find it. Um, but yeah, next week we're doing Chinatown. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I forgot to tell you. Next week we're off because it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So hold, eat, hold your, eat your Thanksgiving food and watch Inherent yeah. Vice. It's pause on Thanksgiving and watch Inherent Vice, but also prep for the last week of the month. We're doing Chinatown uh, starring Jack Nicholson of all people and uh, Faye Dunaway. So that's that's two weeks from now and kind of the penultimate pi film yeah basically yeah we're building towards that it'll it'll be david and me on that one um so yeah but that's what we have for this episode if you have any questions for us feel free to contact us finish podcast at gmail.com send us your questions comments and if you're a new listener to the show or a fan of the show and for some reason you haven't subscribed to us be sure to do so so you can see up to all of our new episodes you can subscribe to our show on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast and if you haven't already, be sure to write us review your preferred podcast platform. These reviews kind of help spread the word about us, helps kind of gain more traction, gain more exposure, and more people will find us. So do a review, share us on social. You know, if you actually do like a screenshot on Instagram, I'll share it on our Instagram profile. Um, if you contest on Twitter or X, whatever it's called, um, I, <laughs> we try to respond. And also if you send us an email like Corbin did this this week, um, we'll also try to respond on that. We, we read them, we see them, uh, Sometimes I'm not, I'm not always notified, but at some point I will see them. Um, and it helps get the word out about the it show. Does, which it we, does. Which we really appreciate. So people can discover us that way. So posts on social. We love hearing from you all. Um, yeah, and make sure you follow us on social, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. David, as always, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, man. And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye. Bye.